0: festive atmosphere tonight, is it Christmas or something greater? <laughs> Davy Ma, it must be Davy Ma, and Anandi. So welcome back to the travelers, uh, it'll be great when we all go uh, next year, so uh, save your pennies and get ready for, uh, if you've never been there, uh-huh. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I have to, um, well, there's so many things I want to mention. Um, First of all, uh, some surgeries. Urvashi, Catherine, just uh, had surgery on her foot, very successful. And our dear Patricia is going in for surgery in a couple of days, so we think about her with great love. Um, And. I also want to say in another direction that uh, I want to acknowledge Rishi's beautiful uh, yoga jazz that he's been playing for a long time. And um, it's very likely that he won't make, make the Christmas program because there's going to be a new arrival in his, in his uh, family. So he'll be occupied for a while. We'll we get back to the blues soon. But it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. <clears throat> and also, uh, when Gargi was in Adelaide, uh, her stepfather's been working again. And I thought you might enjoy looking at this. <clears throat> yes. So, very good, he's, uh, he's done a few things, he's done the beautiful Ganesha up here, and the Sai Baba in the back of the hall, wonderful artists, and we have quite a few uh, excellent artists involved, of course, this is uh, Nandini's beautiful uh, Carol, Karol, and um, and my father's, uh, my father's dude is over there, <clears throat> and so on. <laughs> 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 if I've left you out, I'll, I'll make up for it next week. <laughs> so, welcome everybody, um, to our program. And I was thinking, you know, we, because uh, every, every year it's one day difference. Uh, when you, when you, uh, when Christmas comes, or New Year's, and so one year and seven, they uh, they come out on Saturday, uh, and so this year is the year that we have Christmas on Saturday and New Year's on Saturday. Is it New Year's on Saturday or Saturday? Christmas Eve. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve on Saturday, New Year's Eve, that's right. <coughs> So there's like two weeks without a satsang, and no person should have to go two weeks without a satsang, in my estimation. So we're going to have an ad hoc, hysterical, (laughs) on-call satsang somewhere in that week. Um, And if the weather's really good, maybe we'll have something outside. Uh, uh, Otherwise, we'll we'll do something. So make sure that... uh, uh, Maduri or someone has your phone number, and and will what email address email address something, and we'll will make sure it'll, it might be during the week, during those two weeks we'll do one, at least one program if the weather's good. Uh, otherwise, we'll we'll manage to have it here. So we'll do something. So now tonight, I like to begin a certain way. I, I think I remember it. As Baba says in every program in Hindi, Sapko Bhadasan Mane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And that was the cornerstone of his uh, spirituality, to welcome other people with love. Seeing divinity, he would say that the God that he worshipped was the human form, because God manifests fully in the human being. However crazy, twisted, and insane a person is, at their essence, there is divinity. The mind gets twisted, emotions get weird, Um, but the divinity is always there, and eventually, uh, through yoga, meditation, self-inquiry, contemplation, that divinity emerges. It must emerge, it will emerge, it wants to emerge, And we do everything we can to make it not emerge. However, it will emerge. And the fact that we're doing conscious sadhana, which means we're doing actual practice to make it emerge, is very wonderful, very praiseworthy. And that's what satsang is about. It's for that aspect of a human being, which is the most profound, the most uh, exalted, and the most real, uh, we worship that part. We remember that part. Uh, we attain that part, and satsang honors that aspect of our lives. So, in that spirit, I want to welcome you all tonight. Uh, and tonight, uh, and also, it gives me great pleasure to share the teachings of the great beings. I'm a, I'm, a cr- I'm a crazy fan of the great beings. I'm a mad. I'm mad for them. When I discovered that they existed, I went mad, I left everything and ran to India. And um, the fact that these great realizers, these great siddhas, sages, saints, yogis exist, not only in the Indian tradition, but in other traditions as well. Uh, They're a beacon for all of us. They tell us what is possible. Life is very difficult, life is very challenging. We don't get what we want, we get what we don't want. Uh, There's always second force, obstacles that come up. No matter what you want to do, there's always an obstacle that comes up. And then you can either try to overcome it or take to your bed, whatever you do, different strategies. Um, But life is difficult. But what the great beings show us is that it's possible to attain the self, which is to attain happiness, to attain contentment, to attain love. And they demonstrate that for us, and so there's no greater or more valuable thing that anyone can do for us than to demonstrate that. More than that, they actually can awaken us to that understanding and to that experience of the divine. And so I love to celebrate uh, these great beings and their teachings. Their teachings are always the same. You are the self in your innermost nature. Why don't you go know it? Instead of thinking you're that neurotic idiot, <clears throat> take up stick fighting and learn. <laughs> Where are those sticks? I want to see those sticks. Oh, you're scary when you hold them. <laughs> Baba Baba did stick fighting, he said he learned stick fighting sometimes. He did a lot of strange things in his in his wanderings anyway so so one of the one of the first great beings that I encountered, the first, possibly, because uh, I met Ramdas in uh, Chicago, and he told me about this great sage, 20th century sage, um, and that is Sri Ramana, Raman Maharshi, the great Rishi, Ramana the great Rishi. Uh, uh, And he's a South Indian, extraordinary sage, became uh, famous the, the world over. Uh, Many Westerners came to him. He died in 1950, born in 1880 and died in 1950. And, uh, of course, his story is extraordinary. Most of you know it by now. is that he spontaneously realized the self at the age of 16. Uh, He had a kind of death experience. And instead of freaking out, he started saying, well, if my body dies, will I die? And he did an inquiry, and as he said in his own words, he had the experience of the self, which had never left him after that. And uh, in the 20 minutes, he became, uh, went from an ordinary boy, well, rather ordinary boy, with, a, with an extraordinary potential, to one of the great sages of the 20th century. What else do you have? Uh. Serenely poised, uh, at peace, very personally charming and loving, gentle, uh, and uh, a great wisdom. Next. Here he is walking with some devotees late in his life. Okay. So these are from uh, the teachings of Ramana. Also, we have some intimate stories by one of his great disciples, Surinagama, a charming and intelligent woman disciple who wrote intimately about uh, Ramana. So we'll have that also. But Ramana's teaching was purely to know the self. He taught a direct method of self-inquiry. Now now I'm smelling the... Uh, is that a bug? What? No, Just this candle we, burn yeah, out. We, this candle burnt out? A candle burn out. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So, uh, he, he taught the... the uh, when we talk about self-inquiry, we talk about Shiva process. And you heard from uh, Swami Durgananda about Shiva process. But... Usually, we associate self-inquiry with Ramana. Ramana taught atma vichara. Then when Ramdas described it to me, I was fascinated. He says, you go inside and you ask, who am I? And you say, you discard what you're not. Well, I'm not this body. I'm not the senses. I'm something deeper than that, because uh, when I'm asleep at night, uh, I'm not aware of that, but I still am and so on. And you keep going back and back. And then, uh, as uh, Ram Dass said it, he said, then you go through a doorway and you're in the self. And I thought, that sounds really good. Uh, so I got a book of Ramana's uh, dialogues. And I started reading them. And they, I couldn't understand a word of it. But I loved it. It fascinated me. I read it and read it and tried to squeeze the meaning from it. And so this is from that very book, some of the questions. Uh, Later, I started to understand. After I met Baba, it started to be much more lucid for me. Question, visitor. What's the difference between meditation and self-inquiry or investigation? Dhyan is meditation. Atma-vichara is self-inquiry. And Ramana says... Both amount to the same. Those unfit for investigation must practice meditation. Now that's a bit of a put-down, so in truth they're really the same. But In this practice, the aspirant, forgetting himself, meditates I am Brahman and I am Shiva. Thus he continues to hold to Brahman or Shiva. This will ultimately end on the residual being as Brahman or Shiva, which he will realize to be pure being or the self. So that's meditation. So so I'll I'll try to explain the difference in common language in a bit. He says, he who engages investigation starts holding on to himself, asks, who am I? And the self becomes clear to him. Basically what Ramana is saying is that conventional meditation, you take an object of meditation whether it's a word, or perhaps a deity, you think of a deity, and this is formed mentally. It's a mental image. Shiva, Christ, uh, or, or word or concept, and you're thinking of it this way. Eventually, as you think of it, you merge inside and you experience the self. But he, Ramana says that atma vichara is direct, because you don't go with, start with an image, you go direct to the experience of the self. You turn your awareness in, and you go, who am I, or I am, and you experience the feeling of the self, and you stay with that. And of course, that's true meditation. Baba used to say, meditate on the self. Baba gave the mantra as a method, but his main teaching was meditate on the self, Vuhana the self. And he would always say, again and again, ad nauseum, ad ecstasy, um, meditate on the self. Meditate on self. He'd say, don't meditate on me, meditate on the self. Meditate on your own self. Find out what the self is. How do you do that? You don't go to the internet? You don't go to Twitter? Or Facebook? Or what's another one? What? Instagram or, or a newspaper or anything? You, you turn within and discover your own self. <clears throat> That's investigation. Devotee. Will the knowledge gained by direct experience be lost afterwards? <clears throat> uh, Ramana says, Kevalya Navanita, which is scripture, says it may be lost. Experience gained without rooting out all the vasanas cannot remain steady. The vasanas are your tendencies. Uh, And and if you've started to meditate and you practice, you know that you have tendencies. These are stubborn things, as we heard in Dharga Nanda's talk. We all have our tendencies, sometimes self-hatred, self-aggrandizement, anger, frustration, fear, all kinds of tendencies, and they're very stubborn. Um, And what happens is you may have the spiritual experience, you have shaktipada and you experience the self, and then a tendency comes in and you lose it. That's normal, that happens to everybody. Uh, The thing is to to continue to build on the experience of the self. So he says, sometimes, And Ramana says, efforts must be made to eradicate the vasanas, to get rid of these tendencies. Otherwise, rebirth after death takes place. Otherwise, you keep going through it over and over again. As Bob Dylan said, what is the price you have to pay for not going through all these things twice? Well, the price you have to pay is you have to work on it. You have to do sadhana. You do spiritual practice. Ramana says, some say direct experience results from hearing from one's master. That's Shaktipat. Even the master's word. It happened to me. He said, say I am the self. And something entered me in that moment. The master's words are charged with energy. You might receive the mantra from the guru. And that will transform you. Others say it comes from reflection. Others say from one-pointedness and also from samadhi. So this experience can happen in a myriad myriad ways. Although they look different on the surface, ultimately they mean the same. All roads lead to Rome, however you get there. Knowledge can remain unshaken only after all the vasanas are rooted out. But there's a, there's a progression there, that uh, you have the experience of the self on one side and the experience of the vasanas on the other side. And when you grow up, you don't have the experience of the self, you just have your vasanas. And so you go through your tendencies and you, you, you might have tantrums or hysteria or all kinds of things happen. And uh, then you meet the guru and he awakens you and you have some experience that pulls you out of your tendency and you have that experience, and then the ten, Then you think, oh, I'm enlightened. And you might even spend two weeks in ecstasy, and then the vasanas come in, because they're very strong, and they pull at you. And then you meditate, and you strengthen this one. So you keep strengthening this side, wax on, wax off. <laughs> you strengthen this side, this weakens. The stronger you make this, the weaker this becomes, until you stand in this, a very high percentage of the time, or even all the time in that. Question. Bhagavan, they called Ramana Bhagwan also, how can the grip of the ego be slackened? Ramana says, by not adding new vasanas to it. Wow. They talk about karma. this We all have a certain amount of karma that we carry into this life. Um, But then there's the the quality of creating new karma. When we act from ignorance, from selfishness, from greed, or from fear, or from anger, we do things like that, we create more karma. But a sage is just running down his karma. He's not creating new karma, he's just using it up. So if you don't create more karma, if you keep acting from the self, rather than from selfishness, then you won't be creating karma. Um, a devotee complains, any amount of japa has not slackened the grip. This is a typical devotees whinge, I've been doing practice for a long time and I'm still filled with vasanas. Ramana, how so? It will duly slacken and vanish. He's actually seemed surprised. What? Hasn't? Uh, See, uh, says like that, so established that he thinks, oh, you're just crapping on. Uh, the truth is, when you do practice it inevitably, Papa would say this, it inevitably bears fruit. It inevitably bears fruit. Everyone wants it, everything in a moment. We're so impatient as a culture. You know, culture's insanely impatient. Um, but it bears fruit. Every action, every meditation, every practice you do, every time you, you engage one of your tendencies and overcome it, that's incredibly empowering, and gradually you overcome it. And he says it'll duly slacken in vanish. Don't worry about it. Just keep, as Baba would say, keep meditating. I heard that a million times. People say, Baba, keep meditating. Keep meditating. Another one: How to avoid misery? Ramana, has misery a shape? Misery is is only unwanted thought. The mind is not strong enough to resist it. It's interesting because one of the shiva process techniques is to see the shape of misery. If you go inside and say, "I feel miserable," where is that feeling? And then the in, in the inquiry, we investigate that feeling. Does it have a shape? Does it have a color? Does it have a size? What's it like? Get right up to it. And as we get right up to it, it disappears because there's a greater reality behind it. So he says, it's only that we have, the mind's not strong enough to resist it. <clears throat> Devotee, how to gain such strength of mind? What's his answer? Ramana says, worship of God. You thought he was going to say, do self-inquiry. But he says different things to different people. Devotee, meditation of the God of immanence is hard to understand. Now Ramana says something very typical of him. Leave God alone. Hold yourself. He would always say that. I, I used to get used to puzzle me and then later it, it illumined me to hear him talk like this he said god is only a concept god is a theological concept so he would say forget about god know yourself yourself's not a concept yourself is an experience you have so once you know yourself then worry about god but don't worry about god if you don't know yourself know yourself And then in knowing the self, then you actually know God. He says, leave God alone, hold yourself. Devotee, how to do japa? Devotee couldn't understand that answer. So he goes on, how to do the mantra? Uh, Ramana very patiently says, japa, mantra, repetition, is of two kinds, gross and subtle. The latter is meditation on it, and it gives strength to the mind. Gross and subtle means uh, silent or muttered. You can say Om um, Namah Om Namah or you can mumble it or you can say it silently. And he's saying the more subtle, the better, the stronger. And it gives strength to the mind. Devotee and poor Ramana, his method it seemed to elicit this from all the devotees. They couldn't really understand what he's saying. This is typical. But the mind does not get steady for meditation, Ramana. It is due to lack of strength. <laughs> and then he says, sandhya, which is a daily ritual, is usually done mechanically. Similarly, other religious duties. Is it useful? Is it not better to do japa, knowing their meanings? So now he's having all kinds of things. He's got certain practices, probably a Brahmin, who has to do these, these practices, and he, he's criticizing it. Ramana just goes, hmm, mm. he doesn't answer. Doesn't want to answer, he just <clears throat> he says, don't worry about it, basically. OK. Let's go on. Something a little lighter from the same book, there's a pet squirrel in the hole. Ramana's animal stories are great, which usually retires into its cage before nightfall. Just as the Maharshi was uh, telling it to retire in the night, just as the the Maharshi was telling it uh, to to retire for the night, a visitor who announced that he detained transcendental consciousness suggested that water might be offered to it since it was likely to be thirsty on this hot evening. <coughs> so the writer is saying there's, got to, uh, <clears throat> there's always going to be some yogis who say, I've attained everything. And so this is one of these characters. And he, Romano is saying, go now to the squirrel, go now go to bed, it's time to go to bed. And this guy comes in and says, he needs some water. <laughs> He's very hot. Uh, his presumption to understand animals evoked no response. Ramana would, would not respond. It's one method of dealing with idiocy. It's no response. This is the method. Uh, he repeated it. After a few minutes' silence, Maharshi said, You are probably thirsty if your long meditation in the hot sun on the hotter rocks and you'd like to drink a jug of water." So Ramana had seen him out in the sun that day. Devotee, quite so, I have taken water, Ramana. The squirrel is not so thirsty. Because you were practicing austerities in the heat of the sun, you should feel thirsty. Why prescribe it for the squirrel? (laughs) I'm thirsty. And then it seems like this is an aside. If Suri Nagam was there, Ramana would often comment to her. You know, say, so this is not her, from her book, but Maharshi added, I noticed him standing on the hot rocks facing the sun with his eyes closed. I stood there for a while, but did not want to disturb him and came away. These people do as they please. Now, Ramana's complaining. What are you going to do with these people? Uh, devotee says, What I did, I did not intend beforehand. It was spontaneous. Must have heard him. And Ramana, Oh, I see. Whatever other, we others do, we do with intention. You seem to have transcended all. Ooh. Ramana's annoyed. Huh? <laughs> devotee, This is not the first time I did so. You yourself inspire me and make me do all these things. You ask me why I did it. How is it? Ramana. I see. You're doing actions being controlled by me. Then the fruits should also be mine, not yours. (laughs) (laughs) Devotee. So they are undoubtedly. I act not of my free will, but inspired by you. I have no will of my own. (laughs) Ramana. This is rare. Enough of this rubbish. (laughs) Devotee. But I have no will to act without it, and act without it. Ramana. You have risen high above the common run. We others are acting with personal will. (laughs) That's ironic, isn't it? yeah devotee how sir you've said in one of your works that action can be automatic Ramana says enough enough you and X some other person mentioned behave as transcendental beings you're both fully enlightened you need not learn anymore I would have said I would not have said all this had you not been coming here frequently so he's saying it's interesting he said, I wouldn't be this harsh with you, except you've been coming a long time. If you were a new person, I'd be polite. Because Ramana is the most polite of people. But he had enough of them. He said, do as you please. But these eccentricities of the beginner stage will become known in their true light after some time. Devotee, but I've been in this state for such a long time. Ramana, enough. That's the end of the dialogue. Interesting, huh? And now one from uh, Surinagama, also an animal story, and this will be the last one. That was interesting, wasn't it? Ramana got tough with him. Uh, Surinagama, of course, uh, is a a brilliant writer and observer and devotee, uneducated but uh, incredibly smart, And and she wrote letters from the ashram to her brother. And because of that, we have a book of these collected letters, which are intimate glimpses of Ramana. So she writes, this is in January 1946, about four years before he died. Two or three years back, there used to be one very active and mischievous fellow among the squirrels. One day, it so happened that when he came for food, Bhagavan was reading and otherwise occupied. We have a picture from that day. He's reading the newspaper. <clears throat> uh, he was reading and otherwise occupied and so delayed a bit in giving him food. The mischievous fellow would not eat anything unless Bhagavan himself held it to his mouth. Perhaps because of his anger at the delay, he abruptly bit Bhagavan's finger. But Bhagavan still did not offer him food, okay. Great picture, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> you said that to me, yeah. <clears throat> Bhagavan was amused and said, you're a naughty creature. <laughs> you have bit my finger. I will no longer feed you. Go away. So saying, he stop feeding the squirrel for some days. Nagama Surya, he says. Would that fellow stay quiet? No. He began begging of Bhagavan for forgiveness by crawling hither and thither. Bhagawan put the nuts on the windowsill and, and, uh, and on the sofa and told him to help himself. So he didn't withhold the food. He says, here, the food's there. Go help yourself. But no, he wouldn't even touch them. He's having a full-on tantrum. <laughs> Bhagawan." pretended to be indifferent and not to notice. But he would crawl up to Bhagawan's legs, jump on his body, climb on his shoulders, and do ever so many things to attract attention. Then Bhagavan told us all, look, this fellow is begging me to forgive him from his mischief in biting my finger <clears throat> and to give up my refusal to feed him with my own hands. He pushed the squirrel away for some days, saying, naughty creature, Why did you bite my finger? I won't feed you now. That is your punishment. Look, the nuts are there. Eat them all. The squirrel would not give up his obstinacy either. Some days passed and Bhagwan had to finally admit defeat because of his mercy towards his devotees. It then occurred to me that it was through persistent effort that devotees attained salvation. (laughs) This is the lesson that's Surinagama got from it. Persistent. You, you pester the guru until. <laughs> the squirrel did not stop at that. He gathered together a number of his gang and began to build a nest on the roof of the hole exactly above the sofa. And Ramana stayed in the sofa all day and all night. He slept in it. and stayed there. Uh, They began squeezing into the beam bits of string, coconut fiber, and the like. Whenever there was a wind, these things used to fall down. People got angry and began to drive them away. Bhagavan, however, used to feel very grieved at the thought that there was not sufficient room for the squirrels to build the nest and that the people in the hole were driving them away. We have only to see Bhagavan's face on such occasions to understand the depth of his love and affection for such beings. (laughs) When I told Bhagavan that I had written to you, that's to her brother, uh, about the squirrels. In my usual letter, he remarked with evident pleasure, there's a big story about these squirrels. He's saying, you know, he's telling them, you know. Sometime back, they used to have a nest uh, near the beam above me. They had children and then grandchildren, and thus the members of the family grew very large. They used to play about on this sofa in whatever way they liked. When I went out for my usual walk, some little squirrels used to hide under the pillow. When I returned, I'd have to make sure that I didn't sit on them and crush them. The situation got so out of hand that finally Madhava, one of the devotees, drove the squirrels out of the nest and sealed it by adding some wooden boards over it. After that, they would still visit every day. There are lots of incidents about the squirrels if one cared to write them. That's the story. Beautiful, huh? So, there you go. Very little can be added to that, except we'll now meditate on squirrels or the self. Bhagwan had attained the self, and because of that he'd attained universal compassion and love. And that's what you feel when you about him, we'll see him. Tremendous love and tremendous wisdom. So let's meditate for 10 minutes and we can practice his method, which is to go inside and ask yourself, who am I? And it's it's not to say it over and over again, who am I, who am I, who am I? I I knew a a spiritual teacher who used to do that. Who am I, who am I? He had people sit opposite each other and say, "Who who am I, who am I, who am I? So that might be a method, who knows? But that wasn't Ramana's method. Ramana's method was to ask, who am I? And let that question elicit a response. And the response came as feeling of self. And then to hold on to the feeling of self. When you ask, who am I? Immediately there's a feeling of your own self. And hold that self. That's the real method of Ramanas. So let's try that for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Meditate for 10 minutes. Uh, and if all that's too esoteric, just say the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, and let the other thoughts disappear. And once again, with great love and respect, I uh, welcome you all all my love. Sakrunat mm-hmm. Maharaj Kijay. Let's meditate.